The face, eh? The body. Who? The body. The body. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you doing on this fine, fine day? You're Ryan, and I'm good. How are you? I am as good as Friday. That's how I am doing. It's not Friday. No, but I am as good as Good Friday. Ah, Good Friday. That was a, a very good day for all, I, if I recall. Specifically <laughs> one man. Yeah, it's the, it's the Jesus day. It's the, Well, that's so relevant because we are both spitting Polish gentlemen who were raised Catholic. Yeah. And that is going to be pivotal to our ongoing coverage of Catholic movies on this podcast known as Pictures Pow Wow. Pow Wow, is that a Catholic tradition? We have so many of them. Are we going to be in the top 10 Catholic podcasts by the end of this discussion? Well, I think when we when I do the YouTube stuff for this episode, I have to make a new playlist for the Catholic stuff. <laughs> I think we actually have a few films that would slot that in nicely. Yeah, Oscar being one of them <laughs> with Sylvester Stallone, because he had his priest, Don That's right, Don yeah, yeah. That was a, it opened up with Catholicism, Bartek. Mm-hmm. I, I reckon I could go through the amount of films we've done. St. Trinian's, it's a saint. Yeah, then the one Jew playlist where we have Keeping Up With The Steins. <laughs> <laughs> I think and, that's one of the few. And uh, what what was the one we did with Liam? Uh, oh, um, The day, the due day? No. no. You, guilt trip. Guilt trip. And, and you know what? Let, let, for good measure, let's throw in Starsky and Hutch, just because it also <laughs> had a bat mitzvah in there. But we are here to talk about a movie that has come recommended on Pictures Power. That is how it is done. Bartak recommends a movie one week. The next week, it is I that recommends a film for the podcast. And then the week after that, it is you, the listening people. That is the cycle that we go with. And this one falls on a Bartek recommended yes, film, and now we are cycle. here to talk about that film. So at the end, you can hear me say, "Wow, Bartek, I, I, good, good selection, or ooh, bad selection." Now it's time for me to select a film. But we are talking about which one of your picks did you give us today, Bartek? You were you were allotted a certain um, parameter to work in because you go with. One time it is a foreign film, and then the next time it's you, it is a mainstream, more Hollywood film. Yes, so specifically Hollywood, non Hollywood. So what is it this time? This around? time was Hollywood. Really, but the film took place and was filmed in Israel. That doesn't mean it's not Hollywood. <sighs> I, I felt <laughs> the lack of Hollywood here. But Sorry, yeah. you're making me. What was my last pick? Your last pick was an emotional romp and tale of betrayal. No, I actually cannot remember what your last pick it was. It was something. But we're here to talk about the 2001 film by Antonio, not by Antonio Banderas, but starring <laughs> him, known as The Body. Yeah, you keep talking. I'm trying to remember what my Bartek, last pick was. <laughs> Bartek, it doesn't matter. It had to be a foreign it's, film. It's over now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, it was the Polish film. Yeah, it was It was your favourite film. That was also, which was also religious. Yeah, that's but another one. That's another one. They sing a Christmas carol in it. If you have not seen the film The Body, starring Antonio Banderas and Derek Jacobi is here? Doing a bizarre accent. I don't know where he's, his character was supposed to be from. And Jason Fleming doing an Irish accent. Uh, the pitch of the movie, if I had to put it simply, and it's very simple pitch, but it's one that is exciting and alluring, which is yes, yes. an archaeological dig in Israel has uncovered the remains of what could be Jesus Christ. And fallout happens from there, where many different factions, including the Catholic Church, get embroiled in this saga. And it is a story of faith versus science in a lot of ways. And that is it. If you have not seen the film before, uh, you should give it a watch for yourself. It is one where I will just let it be known now. I didn't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of this movie before. You suggested it. You said this is one of the three films Antonio Banderas did in 2001, one of them being Spy Kids. Mm-hmm. And, and what was the other one that you... It was you an erotic up? thriller of some sort. Oh, right. And so very... A wide array of uh, of genres in his, in his catalogue in that singular year. But I didn't know a single... Th- like, not an iota. Didn't even... If you didn't even say Antonio Banderas, I, I, I still... I would have been surprised. But it is one where once you look up 
its rating on, on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. It's in the middle or low. And I just want to say to all of our listening people out there, ignore those and watch it for yourself and let the film dictate it for you. Because I will, like, if I saw that before watching it, I may have had my head held low going in rather than where it was. And I, and I think it really benefited from just going into it, accepting it for what it is rather than uh, the kind of outside buzz. But I want to sink our teeth into it a bit more. So Bartek, please tell us about your history with this film, why you recommended it, Mm -hmm. everything about it. Go on. Sure. I gave the reason last episode, but we'll go over it again. So uh, I went to a Catholic school, did uh, RE, religious education. Um, And in year 10, which was back in 2009, um, I remember we watched two films in the course of the year. One of them was the film that we did last week, uh, The Mission, mm-hmm. which I didn't remember too much about. I definitely remember watching the beginning of it, um, and I'm still not sure if we even finished it or not, because it's it was a long film, and I just didn't remember that many details about it. Um, and the other one was this film, The Body, which I do remember watching all of, and very similar to the history that I gave uh, back when we did Brick. It was one where my experience of it was not a great one. It was it was you know unexpected uh, that we'd be watching a film like that at school. It was mm. kind of dull. Um, it's I, being broken up by having to study it and yeah, do it in classroom some with other people. Of, yeah, and and uh, I, I guess we we talked about last week how religion is an interesting topic for us. Back then, you know, RE, religious education and religion in general is just such a normal thing in my life that mm. it was just kind of like, oh, okay, we have to study religious things this is, you know, boring to me. So I didn't enjoy the film at the time and actively was not interested in trying to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking back on it, like the premise is, as you said, like objectively pretty interesting. And so... I kind of wanted for a long time to give it another chance. Like, okay, let's actually want to watch it and see what sort of merits it has. Because, yeah, the experience back then, I pretty much only remembered, like, uh, the locations of the film, like what the dig looked like. And I remember there's a line late in the film where a character says, yes, I see your point. And for some reason, that was the only line I remembered because in my head I had a reaction of, like, yeah, well, I don't. (laughs) That's that's literally it. And so when that... And the fact that that line was so late in the film, like, kind of threw me off. Like, was I misremembering that line? It hasn't popped up. You know, it's really great. You're a teacher now. (laughs) Yes. And that attitude you just shared about your viewing of the film, you see now on a daily basis with these children that you have to teach of, like, no, guys, this is an important piece of work. Or, no, guys, this is a story being told. And they're like, I don't see the... I see the point. I don't see the point. Like, Mm. just, just deriding it. And I, I've also been in your shoes when it comes to certain pieces of media or text that we had to study during high schooling experience where it, it's forced upon you and so there's almost a level of apathy towards what it is, even if it is great. I, I remember having that with, with Blade Runner, especially during high school, where mm. our teacher was saying it's a it's a perfect film. A, yeah, your teacher loved flaw- that film. Uh, yes, a flawless film. And so obviously watching it, I'm like, no, here's all these flaws and I didn't like it. And I still have a very mixed relationship with Blade Runner, but th- th- something like this where you went to a Catholic school, I went to a public school. So we didn't get these religious movies as things to discuss and to analyze and to go over. The most we got was when I was in primary school, you know, in those junior years of life, you know, from when you're six to 12, for our international listeners who just need a bit of context. We had um, we had scripture once a week, so people of different religions would go off into their things, and if you're an atheist, you didn't have any scripture, you just got to play. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, I'm so jealous. Wow. Um And even then, in our scripture, we didn't watch anything. We just talked about stuff and read over stuff and did our prayers and boring. Was it like the typical idea of Sunday school? Yeah, I I would imagine so. But it was like for half an hour. Like, it wasn't anything. It was very short. But uh, in the landscape of 
the two thousands, which this movie is uh, made was made in two thousand and one. I would say from like two thousand and one to like what maybe even two thousand and ten, there were these big movies that were grappling with religion, uh, specifically like Catholicism. Like you get them on a different scale where it's not like say when we did last week the mission, which is like this quiet meditation on faith and history. And I said in that discussion that later on Martin Scorsese would do his film Silence, which was which is like a great companion piece. But in that, it's like, what happens when the Jesuits go to Japan? And this era, though, it was almost like, let's try and do blockbuster mm. with the... Um, what's the name of the Mel Gibson... Jesus. Passion of the Christ? Passion of the Christ. I was going to say Temptation, and that's Martin Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> temptation of Christ. or And and this, the body, I want to emphasize, is much better than this. But I, I especially in the second half of it, I was thinking about the, the Da Vinci Code and how that was a thing that existed where it's like, ooh, let's have this kind of running around, shooting bad guys, espionage, political intrigue stuff in the backdrop of organized religion and history of religion. And the body had that in the second half of it, where it's like, okay, there's this faction over here, and they're kidnapping these people, and there's a history with this and this and this and this. And it was just such a trip down memory lane of what was going on back then, where it was just uh, quite a few movies, quite a few big actors like Antonio Banderas or Mel Gibson when it comes to directing, or Tom Hanks when it comes to acting as well, were like, yeah, let's... Let's put our money behind and our talent behind these loud, big, ambitious, over-the-top, or even thoughtful Christian-slash-religious uh, tales. It's just like, uh, we don't, like, we would not get the body now. Not in the way that it was presented here. No, that's with, true, yeah. With Antonio Banderas, who's like, he was a big, he's a big actor. Like, he's, he's a star. It's like a year or two before Shrek 2. Of course, that's when he went to from star to mega stardom. <laughs> but uh, what was it like for you to finally come back to the body after all of this time? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Again, I was actually keen on seeing like what I missed back then, seeing like if it actually fulfills its its premise, which is a really interesting one. And I would say you brought up before, like, oh, the first half and the second half are different. I was actually quite keen on the first half. Uh, I was fair, uh, somewhat disappointed with the second half, though. It just felt like it kind of lost its its focus, basically, mm. and it became a Hollywoodish film. Like, one of the th other things that I do remember from it was... Um, uh, and this leads into something I forgot to talk about last week, um, was the fact that I remembered that it starts off so talky and, for me back then, boring and mm -hmm. not something I'm interested in, and then somehow leads into an explosion at the end and, like, <laughs> action somehow falls into it. So yeah. it was uh, wanting to remind myself, like, how does it get to that point again? Slowly. Slowly, it's yeah. not. It's not as if it's suddenly a different movie. It no, does no. gradually get get there and it and it had the building blocks to there but i want to let you know what i think of the movie by actually getting a review up now i don't often do this but i was looking at the reviews of this because i wanted to know what the general vibe is because once i once i finished it i knew that this is a film people would hate because of the the story itself when you are dealing with such big things like if we found the body of christ and then criticizing the Catholic Church if they handled it at all. Uh, there's obviously going to be some upset. Mm. And then obviously... Should, uh, we, should we give some religious context for people that might not know? What, the, about if... About Jesus? No, I think you... Guys, <laughs> you know who Jesus is. Our Lord and Savior. But... <laughs> Basically, the story of Easter. He was killed on Good Friday... Uh, buried in a temple or a tomb. tomb, and then uh, on the third day, the Sunday after, uh, his body was missing from there. Uh, he came back to life. He talked to his disciples and ascended into heaven. So the fact that you know potentially his body was found means that people are going to think, "Oh, so the story was bullshit." Yes, and the church is very powerful and is not going to be very happy if that ends up being the case. And 
I knew that this would be an upset because just that subject matter is going to ruffle feathers for for certain groups. As you see in the film, yeah. (laughs) As you see in the film. And then the film takes that turn to having explosions and car chases and guns and that's also going to be something. So this is middling, but on Rotten Rotten Tomatoes, it has a very low rating. It's like it's like thirteen or something. Thirteen percent. And here's what one of the critics had to say, and I think this is super telling. All we've got for most of the picture is philosophy. Something which doesn't work very well on the silver screen. That's that's that there. That there is why the second half exists. Because people believe that. People believe that you can't have a film that's talky and just about philosophy and about a bunch of people debating about the ramifications of such a thing. That's why the second half lost me. I became fed up with this. I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I love Antonio Banderas at the best of times, but I thought this is one of his best films I've ever seen. Oh, wow. I thought he was phenomenal. He really rode the line of being a man with an agenda while trying not to have an agenda as well. I thought he was wonderful. And that idea, that premise is so tantalizing mm, for I knew you'd love a premise. discussion of philosophy on the silver screen. And then I got fed up with the movie and it lost me. And I got really annoyed with it. And when it rolled credits, I, 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 I it's like a flip of a coin if I would recommend it to people at this point. Because... That review, that statement right there of, oh, all we get is philosophy and that doesn't work on the silver screen. That is a perfect encapsulation of why this film flounders at the end, because it's almost like the film believes that. It's like, Mm. oh, we can't just have it be talky. It's like the person that wrote that review actually made the film. (laughs) I just, I can't get over it because you and I disagreed about the mission last week. Mm -hmm. A film that is not very talkative, but it is very philosophical. Yes, and you and I locked horns on that, and we had our statements about it. But at least, like it was, it was what it was. Yes. You can't deny that it was stayed true to its vision. Absolutely, and you even won me over slightly for it too. But the body is a film that is compromised. It just it it gives up on its central conceit, and I just threw my hands up in the air and said, "Why did you do this?" Because I was going to give this a five out of five at the beginning of it and then by the end of it i'm like do i do i give it a two if i'm being generous because when and i know we'll get there more so but when we get to the ending and there's an explosion and he jumps to save her it's the most (laughs) he doesn't jump he runs he (laughs) runs and then leads her off and it fades to white (laughs) i (laughs) rewatched what was this what was this I just, I, I, and, and that he's supposed to be at the beginning of this, and she is supposed to be at the beginning of this, just regular people of their field. But but near the end, they're action stars running around dodging bullets. I'm like, he's a priest. I, you've never seen The Exorcist, have you? No, I haven't, no. One of the great things about The Exorcist is it goes into vivid detail about how one would approach finding out if their child is possessed. So she goes and takes her to a psychologist. She takes her to all these medical professionals. And it takes like pretty much most of the movie for her, the mother, to give in and go to the Catholic Church. And then the other half is the Catholic Church doing the exact same thing where it's like, no, this is absurd. There's no such thing as possessions. Like you've seen this movie. It's like, no, no, we can't do this. And then eventually they get around to, okay, let's get an exorcist in. It's an old practice that we don't even use anymore, which was true, by the way. And then when the priests come in, it's like, these are priests. These are Catholic priests, but they're also people. And they're not running around having action set pieces with the demonic girl. I was going to say, this year, one of the few films I've seen in some is The Pope's Last Exorcist. Right. And even though that is you know, somewhat of an action-y horror film, I think the priest relatively kept it to, well, we're exorcists. We're not like action movie stars. It's, it's just... Yeah, I, 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 I need to slow down and pass it a bit over to you because this movie got my brain and my heart going at the same time because what a film, like what a movie to just throw into the mainstream of like, oh, here's an idea. What happens if an archaeological team found the remains of somebody that could have been Jesus Christ? 
you win. That's a great idea.、Mm-hmm. And they they were running with it for so long, and then they just stopped and laid down on the ground and gave up to mainstream Hollywood bullshit. I just oh, I'm so angry, and yet I love the movie. It's oh, it's one of well, these experiences.、Yeah. See, I thought you were going to be a bit more like me, where it's like, yeah, I really enjoyed the first half, but it really lost me on the second half. I didn't realize it, like the first half was so. Would be so high up for you, like that's insane. Isn't this a great idea? It is. And didn't they handle it so? I was actually debating. I was actually debating, like, with myself, like, do I give him the premise or not? He usually walks in blind. I think he'll be fine blind. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a wonderful thing to have blind because they open it up and she's looking through and she finds these remains and I, I, I twigged. I'm like, oh. Oh, it's gonna be Jesus, huh? <laughs> and, and again, you can probably see what I mean when I say that. Like, oh, back then I wasn't interested in it, but I thought back to the synopsis, like, that's a really good idea, though. I really need to give that another chance. And the fact that it was winning me over in the first half, like, yeah, yeah, this this is working for me. Like that, that Antonio Banderas's first scene with that, you know, higher authority in the Vatican.、Mm. You're like, yeah, all these like trailer lines he could have called, like, uh, oh. Uh, Am I doing this for the faith or the church? It's like it's the same thing with this smile. That's like, oh, you <laughs> bastard! <laughs> and why did you choose me? And he he relays back to Antonio. It's really about, flowery about、yeah. how you、uh, your friend is the Lord, and you talk to him every morning, and <laughs> and and you believe it in a way. You know that there's a level of deceit and there's a level of two faced nature、yeah. to this priest, but. Antonio and Antonio Banderas's face when he hears this is so filled with joy, and yet understanding that you say, "Of course, they would assign this guy to the case because look at his reaction to、yeah. being reminded that the Lord is someone close to his heart, and yet he would be someone able to handle such a thing." Yeah, and and, and if you recognize that he's being manipulated there, then a lot of the scenes of him being antagonistic towards the Uh, Israeli lady,、mm-hmm. um, do feel that little bit uncomfortable because, like, okay, you're the hero, I'm on your side, but also, I can see the manipulation happening right here, where you're, you know, picking at her words, you're making this a you versus me thing,、um, you're picking on little things, like, well, little things. Her driving was pretty insane, <laughs> insane, and he wouldn't shut up about it. But I suppose that was understandable to a degree because he was in the car with her. They were people. When they get to when he gets to Israel and he meets her and he's not in his religious garb and she's thrown off because he doesn't look like someone who would be a priest. I've had that experience when I've met religious people and they're not in their attire and you and you're like, oh, you're 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 this. Oh, okay.、It's、we went just- to we went to uni with a guy who until we finished our course, I didn't realize he was not only religious but wanted to be a priest. Yeah, and and it can be really disarming when you learn that, but also it's like, well, yeah, they're they're not. They aren't just their, you know, their habit or their collar or their cross. They are living, breathing people with wants, needs, desires, and I thought、uh, they they captured that beautifully with him as our lead, as our lead, as one of our leading characters, and having him contrast against this Israeli archaeologist who herself wasn't just. This stereotypical, I'm a science character, and I don't believe in religion. She actually knows all of this religious stuff. She studied it, and she's a, you know, she's a Jew, and she has this and this and this. And the the debates they had, or when they would、uh, bristle up against each other, or explode at one another and separate ways, did not feel like a. Oh, this is what happens in the script now. Type format. It really did come across as two colleagues in a in a scenario that realize we have completely different worldviews when it comes to this. Now, I I, I don't know if you、uh, I know my wife can relate to this, and you're a teacher too. But like that happens in like class, like in in that setting too. Like my wife will be like, oh, this that's right. This teacher colleague of mine really disagree on this one thing, and it made you kind of realize, oh, that's right. We 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 have different paths in life when it、mm. comes to these things. And yet, when it comes to the body as a movie, it's like they're having to deal with one of the most important things in human history, which is if this is the body of Jesus Christ, and yet their relationship as two characters. I I don't I don't know if transcends the right word, but they they go 
to a point where you almost forget how important the thing that they're arguing about is, and you care more about that they, these two people disagree with one another because you want them to be friends. That's how I felt. Like, I want them to be friends because they get on so well when they do get on, but when they don't, they really don't. And that was just electrifying to me where I almost forgot that they were debating about Jesus Christ and more just looking at these two people who have now met each other and just like, oh, come on, guys, can't you just figure out a way to be friendly? But then it's like, oh, right, this is one of the most important things yeah, in human history. It's about the guy who dictates like what we call the year, the year of our Lord. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm going to pass it over you, but I think a level of why there's this um, distance at a point of like how important it is that is Jesus Christ is they go, the, the film very, very neatly puts together how the tomb is guarded and how it's not guarded as strongly as you would expect because they don't want to draw so much attention to it. And people can just go in there and steal shit whenever they want. Yeah, the guy that runs the shop is just still working. He's still working there and he's being blackmailed by these terrorists, basically. I like his first line where he was like, I just wanted him to build the basement. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) they make it both the most important thing and very mundane that Jesus Christ's bones are right over there. Hmm. I really Potentially. love. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you, 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 you are juggling that in your head of is it actually Jesus? But I, I really, really adored how they had this fine balancing act of making you remember that this is one of the most important things that you could ever stumble across. And I just wanted a basement for my business. Like, ah, it's just another job. Or ah, it's not really Jesus. Come on, I just. <laughs> But tell me a bit more about your thoughts on uh, the body, especially, you know, I guess going over the characters. What did you mm. think of them? Uh, well, we did have the – he he appeared more at the beginning and once at the end to, you know, commit suicide. But we had that uh, priest who was also an archaeologist who, like, mm-hmm. was the meeting of both sides um, and who I, I really enjoyed his presence in the film – uh, despite his somewhat hammy voice, yeah, that's Derek Jacobi for you. Because <laughs> yeah. um, always he, like when that. he's first introduced, like we we also meet our uh, the the lady protagonist, yeah. the uh, female protagonist, um, and she, it's established right away. Like, okay, I only want professionals to come into this. I don't want some priest. We meet this character who's both a priest and a. Archaeologist. And an archaeologist. A and historian. She, she doesn't even know he's a priest. Yeah, she changes her tune and it's like, okay, we're getting something from uh, her character. Like, okay, she, mm-hmm. she recognizes that this is a good thing. Um, and we're also getting an interesting hybrid character that could give us different perspectives on it. And later on, or even just at the end of that scene, like you see him enter the tomb, mm-hmm. leaves, and he's just like... It's all in the face. He doesn't say a thing. Yeah, just, Father Lavelle. Yep. Yeah. And then you see him again when Antonio Banderas meets him. And I really enjoyed that scene too where, you know, it, it's, it's hey, I'm a priest. You're a priest. Like, we should have the same view on this, right? And he's really torn between the two sides. He's, like, pull, like rapidly pulling out scriptures from this drawer, mm. showing it to him there. Uh, he's saying, like, look- I I get it. I'm I'm on your side too in the sense that I am Catholic, but this thing has genuinely rattled me. It is very possible that we were wrong about this, and it was just this really electrifying scene. It also makes you think back to how in history, back in the day, a lot of scientific advancements were helped and discovered by religious organizations like the Catholic Church. Like mm. you go back in some of the great scientists were Catholics or Jesuits or whatever it is. And so to have this man be the embodiment of that as well, where he is a student of history, he's a man of science, but he's also someone who's a priest and someone who is a servant of God. And when you are actually given the challenge of those two aspects of your soul, those two aspects of your personhood, which one are you going to fall on? That is mm. the ultimate. His character is this mini arc during the movie that will encapsulate what could happen to the larger society of how much of your faith will you stand by when you are presented with evidence that could be contrary to everything you've held dear. 
when it comes to your religious fundamentals. Really, really well done. Yeah, and that's kind of why I really didn't like his next scene, which is in the second half of the film. Antonio Banderas goes to meet with him again, and he just feels like a crazy guy. He's lost his mind. He's got all these pictures of Jesus. I guess that's what they were going for, but it just felt like, oh, but this character had, like, Mm -hmm. really interesting philosophical things to say. And now you're kind of just going for a crazy thing. I know. It's it's uh it's just such a weird way to go. And I understand the the end point of what they're going with him yeah, for, same, but they same. needed more of him present in the story if they wanted to achieve that. And also it's kind of goofy. When he kills himself, it's kind of goofy. Mm. The way it's presented visually is very goofy. Uh it kind of reminded me of Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yeah, he just turns around, you see the guy mm-hmm. at the top, no, slow motion fall. It's very weird, but yeah, we also have that other priest who's like a, a hacker, who's like a weird, like Jason Fleming's the Irish character. Guy? Yeah, the Irish guy. And he's. I didn't even get that he was a priest. To be yeah, he was wearing the garb. He and did have. He did have a cross around his neck. Yeah, know? and he was. He uh, he was brought in by Father Lavelle as a as an aide. And he was weird as a character. Like, I like that actor, but I I, I really don't need him to be in the movie. Mm. Father Lavelle could serve the same purposes. And then you can have more of his character be in the movie. And guess... you can show him deteriorating over the course of the film. But instead we get, it's almost like little check-ins with Father Lavelle. Like, oh, he's losing his mind a little bit. Oh, well, moving on. Yeah, and then he... 40 minutes go by. Oh, he's completely crazy now. I guess you could kind of feel the Hollywoodism with that character because he's like, oh, he's like the the friend who's a little mm. bit fun. He's a young, fun priest who knows about websites and he can hack into things. And he's and... a little bit more familiar with the land that they're in than our uh, main character. And, he, and he's, he's, a, he's a joker. He reads the things when he's not it's, supposed it's, it's to. Like, he it... likes sinning a bit, but he's going <laughs> to like say this... a few Hail Marys and he'll be fine. It's like if this was a true story, he'd be the character added for the film. Of course. Of course he would. That's exactly, <laughs> you nailed it. That's, that's the perfect summary of his character. And there was a point too where they, 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 they try to flesh out Sharon's backstory. That's our female lead mm-hmm. to uh, humanize her. But in the end, it's oh, so that she could have a threat against her, which is she has children and she has this husband that died in Lebanon. And it's like when they introduced that quite late into the movie, yeah. by the way, I, my, my spidey sense tingled and went, oh, they're going to do something with that later. And it was just so that she could have a kids kidnapped and she bec- and she For ransom yeah. and then she will become typical hollywood female characters like my kids my kids my kids oh no my kids where yeah. and it really felt like such a betrayal of her strong-willed character who's such a force to be reckoned with to boil her down to just the mother role the love interest role the, the one woman, who needs help the typical role allotted to women in movies. I thought she was so it's, much it's better than to, that in the first half. Yeah, it's similar to what I was saying in Penguin Highway with the little girl character. I was like, ah, oh, I kind of wanted you to be a bit more main character in the climax. <sighs> yeah, it's just uh, such a such a weird thing. And then there's the chief of police guy. The Moshe, I remember his he, name was. He was good. I liked him, and I, I also appreciated how he blackmailed the catholic church he was just no no you're gonna do this and then we'll release the bones i really like the scene where um i think it was antonio banderas was questioning like why did you send uh father novell why didn't you send someone from the vatican it's like he's a priest he's an archaeologist and he was here it felt like the perfect choice and it's like yeah it was the perfect choice (laughs) it worked out in the end That was actually a weird moment where Antonio was like questioning this guy's logic. That's like it's perfect logic. Did it not? Does it not make sense? The logic is perfect. You just don't like it it's because Father La- because Father Lavelle. I think what that really tunes into is Antonio's self doubt because mm. throughout all of this, he doesn't understand why he's here why he's really here to do this because Father Lavelle is the perfect candidate. He is the perfect candidate for this mission. You are a longtime priest. You are also a man of science. You are also a man of history. You are also there. 
for a start. <laughs> it's like he's a golden goose, this guy. He's almost, and yeah, An- deus ex machina. <laughs> but Antonio is sent because he is, as he reveals at the end, the perfect puppet for the higher-ups of the church. Mm. He is, on paper, this errand boy for the Catholic Church to use as they see fit. And so him throughout this having to like ridge up at people uh, can seem a little bit off-putting, but when you look back on it, it all makes sense because he is feeling so insecure. He must be super out of his element. He's out of his element. He doesn't know the language. There was that brilliant scene where he had to get that, that, that cop to help translate for him to the rabbis. And uh, he understands their religious scripture and text in a way that will help him be able to get this jar back. And he's so firm in that. He's like, no, no, say that exactly. And they even call him a rabbi, Antonio Banderas, the rabbi, which is an amusing (laughs) image in itself. But uh, he's such a strong-willed character He's very he's got these convictions, but he doesn't play it like he's ever pig headed. I never felt even when Sharon would go off at him for being religious, man, like when he said, Oh, he's five foot five, that's five inches shorter than the Shroud of Turin said or whatever, and then then she she like blew up at him, it's like, what the fuck? Like she got so angry she left. She's like, You're full of bullshit. You know that isn't even like that's that's like contested in the yeah, in yeah. your own in your own higher ups. Like you're such full of shit. But Antonio said it in such a way where I went, oh, well, okay, he must he has a point. He must they must he must be right. Like I don't know, I didn't know that there was some place allegedly where Jesus's height has been confirmed. <laughs> but Antonio said it with such like, just yeah, that's just how it is. And I went, well, he must be right then. Sorry, Sharon, he's got you. And then she just turned around and went, you're being full of shit right now. And I felt like such a fool. I'm like, (laughs) you are tricking me. You are tricking me, you naughty priest. Because he wants it not to be Jesus. He's very blunt in a lot of points about, yeah, having his side come across. There's that one scene where uh, he he responds to like, you told me to try to look at this from the side of science i am asking you to try to look at this from the side of religion mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's a reasonable thing to say but also you know it's kind of been established that your side of religion is incredibly biased towards an end point rather than the means to get there <laughs> there was that moment where again i think it was the police guy he was talking about why the Catholic Church would want this covered up, why they don't want it to be Jesus, and he went over, like, what would happen, like, people would lose their faith, people would turn away from the church, but that's not how religion works in the long run. In the long run, in the long term, even when presented with concrete evidence to say otherwise, people would still pivot or change or still alter it to suit the needs of faith because faith is more than just evidence yeah and the history there's also just like the values and there are some and he even has a line towards the end of the film which you know give it credit the second half credit where he says like i'm you know i'm leaving the church and i'm going to be religious on my own terms and that's Mm. like a very valid thing like yeah sure you can throw aside all the things of the church if you still hold the values that's still a very valid thing we as a as Australians, we had uh, he only passed away a little while ago, but there was a beloved uh, media personality and priest, Father Bob, and he was like a radio personality. He was on TV shows and panels, and he really got up in arms about the way the Catholic Church was run because they retired him as a priest because I didn't know this, but priests, where they reach a certain age, the Catholic Church lets them go. They're like, you don't need to be a priest anymore. Okay. And he was upset about that, because he's like, I'm a man of God, like, this is my job. Don't they they call it, like, their life's work? Yeah, exactly, (laughs) but yes, priests can be from the toppy-top people be told... Forcefully retired. (laughs) Yeah, you're good now. And that was such an insult. And he he kind of went over that in the later parts of his life after he he served his time as a priest 
of, well, I guess I will serve Jesus and Christ and the Lord in my way. And he did. Like, he was a very active voice. He was very much talking about the political landscape as well as the theological and spiritual landscape in a way that he may not have been able to when he was an official member of the Catholic Church and blah, 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 blah. And so it was funny, like, Father Bob had a Twitter account and, like, he would do all of this stuff. And every now and then he would uh, he'd be trending because he would say something controversial. And it's like, well, who's he going to answer to? What, the Catholics? Who retired him? Fuck them. And I thought about him when uh, our lead at the end was saying, well, I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to be religious on my terms because it's still a matter of personal faith. And we we were discussing with the mission last episode about how that was a, was condemning how organized religions or societies fuck up the tenets of faith because of just human just human need for things and their biases. And that's what we get in this movie, where the Catholic Church is framed as this insidious, corrupt, overbearing force because of just plain, simple human politics. Yeah, they want a certain conclusion, get to that conclusion no matter what. Rip down all of those pictures of Jesus off the wall in Derek Jacobi's room where he leaped out of a window and just... Cover it up like Men in Black style, just cover it up, which was a very humorous scene. I did laugh a lot at the almost Men in Black-like montage of the Catholic Church cleaning up the evidence, like, okay, leave me alone, that's so silly. But um, there was there's this thing I really want to get your opinion on here with okay. with, with the body as, as, a, as, a, as it went along. Now, you, you may have remembered some of this, but... Did you think it was Jesus? Uh, I didn't remember the conclusion uh, from my 14 years ago viewing, uh, so I was you know, coming to it fresh. I think I thought that it wasn't Jesus. I didn't really have any sort of basis for that. I just thought, like, oh, I don't think the film would yeah, lead to that ending. I think they would still keep it to... I was going to say keep it to reality, um, but... Uh, keep it to the status quo of, yeah, it's not Jesus. And what do you think of that now? Do you think that was a correct choice? Do you think that benefits the story that it is not Jesus? Or the fact that they do give us an answer? They do give us an answer of it is not Jesus by showing us the three circles on the wall and there was some other things thrown in there. What are your thoughts on it? I think by that point, you know, my interest in the film had gone to such a lower point that I still was interested in the answer, but when I got it, I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, you gave up. Yeah. As did I. I knew that it would not be Jesus simply because uh, films are cowards. That's how I would describe it. it. They're not brave enough to actually say it's Jesus and mm-hmm. then end the movie with the world fucking turning upside down at such a concept. Because if they did, I would have heard about this movie for a start. Because it would have made such a religious upheaval. Because The Last Temptation of Christ, the Martin Scorsese film, Mm -hmm. that got everyone up in arms. Because the idea of Jesus and Mary Magdalene and, oh, making him more of a person with faults and making Judas an almost sympathetic character was far too much to handle. (laughs) And even now, people still have strong opinions on that. And same with, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, with uh, the, what was Mel Gibson? I always forget. Passion Passion of the Christ. Christ. That has a lot of opinions, but people loved that. But the religious folks loved that movie. Yeah, they showed us that in year 12. They had like- That was a- Gangbusters. We had like, gangbusters. Yeah, we had like a, I can't remember the full details, but in like year 12, we would have this like one period a week or every two weeks where it was like, you know, a whole year level assembly. And one of them was dedicated to showing the passion of the Christ because we do this every year for the year 12s. Yeah. And then you get those wishy-washy, artsy-fartsy ones like Noah, mm. where it's like, yeah, I guess you're a religious movie, but you're not really challenging things. You're just being weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> While it would be ballsy if this said, yes, it's Jesus Christ, that would be brave, 
But films are too cowardly to do that more often than not. So I knew it wasn't Jesus because of just the simple reality of the industry. And then when they revealed it wasn't Jesus, I was annoyed because, like you, I had lost interest in that central conversation that it was having. And when they did give us the shot of the circles on the on the tablet or the wall or whatever... I was wondering, would it have been better better if the film played it ambiguous instead of giving us an answer? Because isn't that how faith works in a lot of ways? That's like one of the conversations we were just having a moment ago is you can give people the answers to one thing or the other and yet it can still be rejected because it's about your core beliefs and how you will follow them and a part of the whole tenets of religion is, I don't need to know personally if Jesus Christ was a real figure who really did those things. It's about the teachings that it is uh, transplanting upon many different people and cultures and civilizations and how we implement those in the real world. So if you ended this and it was still not known if it was Jesus, and we have people like Sharon believing that it is Jesus, you have Antonio Banderas being unsure, but leaning towards probably, and then you have the Catholic Church just rejecting it out of sheer hubris. That's a statement on its own. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's like the film wrings its hands and goes, it's not Jesus, don't worry, don't get mad. Just be happy when you walk out of the movie. It went from a film that wanted to, wanted to challenge you to a film that just wanted to to pat you on the head and say, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, it's like, it's like give you some challenges early on, and then it's like, okay, but you, you, did you enjoy that? And, you know, you thought about it? Okay, but it's, it's not actually. Did you ever see the film, it's based on a play called Doubt? No, I haven't. Do you know of it? Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's a religious story about whether or not this priest is a child molester. And it's ambiguous. It's like, there's, it's called Doubt. It's I like, I have my doubts. I might have heard of it, but not the title. No. That's another film that came out around this era of films of, like, religious stuff. And that was like, a, that's a good movie. Like, I, I don't want to get too much more into it because it's one that you, you need to watch on your own. It's a, it's a really great time. Mm. But it's like, if... <laughs> That film is challenging. It wants to challenge you. It wants to talk about religion and the system and the hierarchy and human nature. And it doesn't make you leave the movie at the end feeling like you just had a popcorn fun good time at the cinema <laughs> like the body. I just is there anything else you want to talk about outside of the schlocky second half? Because I, I'm I'm wanting to make sure of that before we just because I think there's more to rip into with the mm. schlocky second half. I guess we haven't mentioned the Palestinians at all. They're the terrorist antagonists for they're established early on, but like at the by the end of the film, they are the antagonists because they've uh, held the the children ransom. They're manipulating and giving an arc to the shopkeeper. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, they their leader character. They they are a terroristic group in the sense that you know they do use force and intimidation and they have guns and they scare the shit out of the shopkeeper character. But the leader character felt weirdly distant from that. He, he felt, felt a lot calmer than you would expect. He felt like a more talky kind of character. And like even when some of the the you know evil acts were happening of like oh we're gonna kill them now, he seemed kind of thrown off by it. It's like but. You're the boss, right? There was that scene where he talked to Antonio Banderas and he was explaining stuff. He was playing the tape. He's trying to make his case and he's coming across as reasonable. And that would work if we had seen in other scenes or we have been shown that that's a facade he puts on, like with any leader of a cult-like group or a terrorist group, the charismatic leader who shows one side of themselves that draws people in and makes them follow them, and yet is cold and calculating. <laughs> Funnily enough, we did that, uh, the, the Polish film, mm -hmm. which is, its English title is... In, in Desert and Wilderness. In Desert and Wilderness. And they had, in one scene alone... 
this religious leader, this group that, of extremist Muslims. Yeah, the Mahdists. They had the Mahdist guy, and he showed that in his singular scene of like, he has this demeanor that's friendly and understanding and warm, and yet his actions tell you otherwise. They needed that for this guy because there's this moment where the shopkeeper guy very much says, I'm going to be killed in a few scenes from now, says, oh, no, they won't kill your children. I promise it on my life. And it's like, okay, you're dead. And I was expecting it to be like this, this, the leader of the Palestinians would reveal that side of himself and he would be the guy to kill or he would be the guy to order the kids to be killed. But it wasn't even him. It was like the no, other fucking guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he it's looked so confused weird. by it. I'm like, w- w- you're not in on this? What? What's going on here? And even when you have the standoff between him and Antonio at the end with the grenade, it seems like it's Antonio Banderas who's the one that's a maverick in the scene there. And this guy's like, okay, I guess I accept death. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. I... So yeah, we went straight into that <laughs> because he is the key to the central like problem is you have this group of extremists who want to destroy these remains and they want to fight against it and they have valid reasons to do so. But the way it's presented each time they have conflict is through Hollywood action stuff where people are doing flips, there's little explosions, there's the stock explosion sound effect that you hear in every movie ever and I'm just looking at it going... Antonio Banderas is running back into that store to go to the thing, but he's being shot at. It's like, you're a priest. You know you're a (laughs) priest, right? You're not like a CIA black ops operative. You're a fucking priest in a shootout. Like, Antonio- In a Hollywood film. (laughs) But he never showed fear. Yeah. And yet, outside of that, he showed all of these range of genuine human emotions. I guess he had a military background that kind of- was brought up a few times. Yeah, but even then, it's just... He's he shown anxiety about being out of place in this culture, not understanding the landscape, and yet... He's running around, dodging and weaving, bullet fire. It's just so dumb. I know we've already talked at slash laughed about it, but that that final explosion... They had the, the standoff with the grenade, which kind of reminded me a bit of Main Hunna. Um, it felt like a Bollywood movie by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were having the standoff with the grenade. They both had it in their hand, and it was like, we're going down together kind of thing. Why? And then, yeah, I know. I, I know exactly why. And then the moment Sharon entered his view, it's like that entire scene just stopped. And he's like, he, he like turns to her in this like really goofy, concerned way, and we've already described it. He doesn't leap, as I remembered in my memory. He just like leads her, and it fades to white. You can see him turning to the right. The you you talked about how you rather liked his explan him explaining why he's leaving the Catholic Church and what he's going to do. I couldn't get over him doing it whilst having the badass Hollywood. I'm uh, limping limp. because I've just survived a grenade explosion. Limp and I'm Kane. just like. It's like in that Adam and Pal. I, I actually watched this till the end of the credits to see if it had some fucking bullshit post-credit nonsense. Because at that point, it felt like well, a movie that something. would do that. <laughs> I do you recommend this? The body. This is such a bizarre one to really comprehend because the second half does because like there's a ten minute car chase sequence where we're just driving around in the streets of Israel and there's got the action movie underneath it the the red car the red car and the cops are like getting their sirens going and they're doing all of these tight turns and people are like crazy you have the the classic oh Antonio Banderas is waiting because all these people are walking through the streets and he's like smacking the steering wheel like oh let me through I I can't get past that stuff. Mm. I don't know if I can recommend this to people. Yeah. If you're the type of person that's like can find value in a film that is good and then loses its momentum because of like I don't know film intellectual reasons of like seeing how something went wrong then yes, definitely worth checking out. Um for its good moments, yeah, I'd say worth checking out, but for the overall thing if you're not looking to you know, get a big disappointment, you might want to pass on it. It's hard to give, yeah, a solid yes or no, and especially with, you know, the feelings that you expressed. I'm keen to see if you even come to a conclusion. 
like, would you watch it again? I mean, I did. <laughs> yeah, but it, there's a different... At this point, though, um... Maybe? Maybe together with you? Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I don't think I would ever watch it again. Not on my I own, I think it would be, yeah. make me angry. Mm. Knowing that all of this wonderful material turns into garbage. Because when I'm watching it, I don't know that. Mm. I'm sitting there going, okay, this first 40 to 50 minutes, maybe even hour, is great. And then suddenly, not even suddenly, but gradually it, it becomes stupid. Yeah. I was, saying, <sighs> I was saying before we started recording that I watched the Ebert and Roper thing on mm. this, and they only talked about it for like half a minute, and they were basically saying like, Basically what we were saying of like, yeah, it had a really interesting beginning, but then the movie shows its hands when it goes to Hollywood explosions and Hollywood action scenes and it lost me. And they also threw in a thing, which I didn't fully agree with, but I can kind of see where they're going with it of, there are so many different characters and factions in the film that it can be hard to follow, like who wants it to be Jesus, who doesn't. Mm. I think just from the basic fact of, like, which religion they are, it mm. is a bit easier to follow, but... I, I didn't get lost with that. Yeah, no. I didn't, but I can see some people maybe getting lost. Well... That's kind of why I wanted to give, like, the Jesus context earlier on. <laughs> it was very amusing in the, like, last 15 minutes they got another scientist to come in and have a look at the burns, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's definitely this. <laughs> yeah, I was confused by one of those scenes where it was like, no, you told me this. No, I didn't. I was like, well, what does that matter? It's... I don't know. I mean, either. <laughs> but, but again, that it's is second half, so we didn't the body care. for you all. A real roller coaster ride of a film, and I didn't even I didn't even expect to get so heated <laughs> walking into the discussion. But like, as soon as I sat down in the microphones in front of me, and I'm thinking about talking about the movie, I realize, oh no, I'm going to get passionate about this mm. because it's a film that is provocative by nature, and then it decides it doesn't want to be, and that there is the ultimate act of betrayal because it's like when you. Uh, you know, when we were teenagers and the internet was like a real edgelord place where people wanted to be like, you know, like provocateurs or whatever. It's like, mm. yeah, but what else have you, but have you got anything to say? And the answer is no. It's like deadbabyjokes.com. It's like, ah, it's like, okay, but do you got anything else? It's like how people who do not like South Park don't think they have anything to say. It's just them being, you know, edgy mm. or immature. Um, that's how I kind of feel about this, where it's just like, oh, you you were going to do something, but in the in the end, it's almost like you did this just to bait people in with your edgy premise, mm. to then give them a spoonful of syrupy sweet nothing. Very disappointing. Uh, one thing that I was kicking myself after last episode for not saying, um, once again, first episode of this year, we did the episode with uh, boys from the Babylon podcast, Babylon yeah. Boys, um, and I we talked about the dog act thing, and I was talking about how, oh, in the mission, and then I told the story about, like, you know, the guy calling it dog, uh, and I was kicking myself after that first episode, I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't say the next part. There was like mm. a kid that had a retort to the dog act thing, and I was going to say it last episode, and I completely forgot. Um, so there was this other kid after, you know, the guy's tied to the raft, thrown into a river, falls down a waterfall. One guy in my class goes, oh, it's so dog man. Mm. And that's where I left it. There was another kid who spoke up immediately after and said, that's not a dog, that's a person. Thank you. It was a really funny line. And I remember during this film, he would randomly at points just go, Antonio Banderas. It is how so you do was, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, a little funny thing that happened. It's my turn to recommend a feature film for the next episode of our podcast. And no, your I turn to recommend something to heat you up. To, to get me, or me. fired <laughs> up. And I think it's time to, to, to kind of revisit a series mm -hmm. called Mad Max. Oh, okay. It's time to go beyond the Thunderdome. That's correct. Mad Max 3 is next up for the discussion. So if people you have not seen Mad Max 3, make sure to give it a watch for yourself and then come back next time it's the only one and listen seen. and listen to us go over it. It's one of the most famous ones too. It has a lot of the quotable Mad Max lines, such as two men enter, one man leaves. Uh, great line. Uh, and it also has Tina Turner as uh, over-the-top bad guy. So that's fun. 
But uh, we will be talking about that next time on the podcast, so make sure to watch it and then give our show a listen. You can find us on social media under Spit and Polish Presents. We like to post things on there. You can interact with us on there. If you want to recommend a film to us, you can message us on our socials or directly over at our email, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com. Well, that is all we have got for you this time on the podcast. Remember to be kind to each other or else the bones of Jesus Christ will appear underneath your house and then there's going to be a whole slew of crazy hijinks that will come your way. The odds of it being Jesus aren't very high, though. (laughs) Could be. I had my own equivalent of going Antonio Banderas for this film. And I, I think I even talked about it after last week's recording of um, there's that Mr. Bean episode with the where he goes like to the art class and he has to paint the nude lady and he's got like this French teacher mm-hmm. um, who's trying to say, oh, don't be shy, don't be shy, you have to look, the body. When she mm-hmm. goes, the body, I just kept saying that throughout the film. The re- body, the Really body. entertaining. Ryan editing. I know we end the film, like, episodes with the music. Stop the music now. Just play her saying, the body. The body. Ooh. The body. The body. <laughs>